Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Eugene Brotsaken from Twine Financial Advisors. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about structuring your loan. Now, this is something that you will often, or I would actually say always hear mortgage brokers talk about, which is, well, you've got to look at the structure of your loan. You've got to, we're going to review the structure. And uh, I, for, for so long, I, w- I always used to think, I wonder what exactly they mean when talking about the structure of their, of their loan. And I think a lot of listeners are going to uh, already have an idea or know vaguely what that means. But we're going to really start to dig into this. And there are kind of five different things factors that really come into structuring your loan. We're going to go through through each of these these today um, so you can really get a sense of it because it really is quite broad in terms of how you could, for want of a better word, structure a loan um, and, and each, each with different benefits. So we're going to talk about these uh, uh, today in the show. And the first one, Eugene, is is principal and interest versus, versus interest only. This is one of the things you're going to start to look at when, when structuring a loan, right? Yep, absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, I guess you're unveiling the magic behind the scenes. Oh, goodness, now now I can't surprise everyone anymore. (laughs) But uh, in short, um, short, I mean, the starting point is, is are we paying back principal and interest or interest only? I mean, we have to really start with... What is the objective here? I mean, is, is the objective to 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 pay down the mortgage on your family home? And in my view, that should be paid off as soon as possible. A family home is an expense. When you're living in a house, it's not paying you. So we should pay off that mortgage as quickly as possible. And principal and interest is almost always the best way to do so. Traditionally, a, a bank would give you a 30-year loan, but sometimes they make some funny decisions. You might be 60 years old and they've just approved you a 20-year loan, for example. Uh, I'm not sure if you'll continue to be working at 80 years old. So we need to be quite careful around how long is it really going to take to pay off this mortgage. So um, the other thing we look at is interest only. Now, interest only makes most sense for investors when you're making an investing decision. However, there is a compromise. When you're applying for an interest only loan, the bank does still want you to repay that loan. That's a really important part. So for example, like I mentioned, the bank might approve you a 30-year loan. If they've also given you five years interest only, they're assuming that you're going to pay it off over the remaining 25 years. So straight away, they have to now assess that at a bit more of a higher repayment, and you may not be able to borrow as much. But what many investors do is they might get their five years interest only, roll it over one more time, roll it over one more time, and suddenly... The bank might say, by the way, you've still got to repay this over the last 15 years. And maybe at that point in time, you made the decision to retire or reduce your hours or or start a business or something. And uh, you may not be able to refinance that mortgage like you originally planned. So what we need to do as as part of that that discussion of principal and interest or interest only is basically say, uh, if you've paid off the family home, it's probably a good idea to also start paying off those rental properties, even if... even if we uh, didn't get approval to pay it off over interest only. Fantastic. And then the next thing that we start to look at is what is the level of repayment being made uh, and when is it being repaid? Is it being paid weekly, fortnightly, monthly? And is that still appropriate when we come to restructure a loan? Uh, the repayment period makes some small difference. Uh, we tr- try to tie it with someone's pay schedule. So if you're getting paid fortnightly, it makes sense to pay your mortgage fortnightly. Likewise, if monthly, monthly is also fine as well. There is uh, statistically some savings if you pay weekly versus monthly, uh, but not all banks offer weekly. So they may offer fortnightly. There is a marginal savings, but 
it's very marginal, 0.0001% over a 30-year period of time. So instead, what we're looking for is that convenience factor. What is actually realistic and, uh, and attainable? But the, the, but the main thing about the repayments, again, it's actually... Uh, we're not just looking at how much the minimum payment is on the loan from the bank. We're actually looking at what is actually affordable to repay that loan based on your income. That's far more valuable than just what the bank says. Because essentially, uh, a mortgage is a very simple tool. The bank lends you money, they want you to pay it back, and they charge you interest on what you borrow. It's a simple. And uh, the higher your repayment, the more principal you pay off. The more principal you pay off, the faster you've paid off the loan. And I think the interesting thing here is, you know, for example, in this situation, you could start to increase your payments over time as you tend to get paid more because uh, because you've become more valuable to your employer or, or, or through inflation. Um, lots of different different reasons, but that will help you pay it off more quickly. And I suppose the the, the whole reason we're having this decision, this this conversation rather, about structuring your loan is that if you go to a bank directly, you don't necessarily get all of these options and decisions. And, and mortgages are inherently complex. And expensive, and so if you can structure them to to be more appropriate for your situation, to save money or pay off debt more quickly, then it's going to be of immense benefit to you, even though it can seem very very complex. Correct. Uh, look, the the bankers, uh, the experienced ones, will do their absolute very best to help to help their customers within their bounds. But the reality is, is they still cannot actually give advice on how to best re- repay the mortgage or or, or what's best uh, for for the client in terms of in terms of repayments or loan structure they're qu- relatively limited in what's possible and there are very many well-meaning bankers out there but again they're limited by uh, by the, by the bounds of their roles the the mortgage structured decisions actually it's a regular conversation so for example you know over the year your income might have changed or maybe your household circumstances might have changed maybe now your 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 new role now has a commission or a bonus or all right what what do we do with that because you're right Ed, um, mortgages are very expensive especially when we're looking at over a 30 year period of time and so that's why small decisions made in year 1 or even year 5 make an immense difference over those remaining 20 plus years. So even let's just dig into that instance uh, uh, quickly. Uh, if, if somebody moved from, from a salary to a, to a role where they are getting more commissions, would you potentially look at a more flexible loan structure where they can make one-off payments to the, to, to the bank and pay down that principal? Correct. So the higher the level of commission, the more contingency fund you need to set aside. So it's always good practice to have an emergency fund. For someone on a salary, we'd normally recommend three months of your expenses as your emergency fund that once you've set it up, you don't touch. Now, as soon as you go into a commission, you don't know what you're going to get paid next month. You might have an idea, but there's no guarantee. So you need to set aside a larger contingency fund. We normally recommend up to about six months. But that can seem quite daunting to do that. So essentially, we need to have a loan structure that allows us to save into a emergency savings account that will help you still offset the interest from your mortgage. So you're still repaying it faster. You're not, uh, you know... You, you're not taking away from your mortgage payments, if that makes sense. And that's very similar to the buffer account uh, that we've talked about previously, where if you're Correct. buying an investment property, uh, to protect yourself in the instance where you've had uh, very high maintenance costs or, or your tenant has, you've, you've got a period of vacancy because your tenant's left or you've lost your job, where you can actually still have that buffer account um, so that you're able to make the regular top-ups to, to your rental account or whatever it happens to be. 
So we've, we've talked about in terms of structuring a loan, um, whether it's going to be principal and interest, interest only, the, the repayments you've made, made whether there's a, some sort of buffer account, uh, but we're also looking at interest rates as well. Yeah, absolutely. So with interest rates, it's oftentimes, oftentimes a magic question, do we fix or do we float? Well, if we do fix, how long do we fix for? One, two or three years? Well, the reality is, is no one really knows what's going to happen. We have an idea of what the market's doing. It's a, maybe a general trend or, or, or a few com- common themes that might be happening in the market. But the reality is, is we need to understand is what is the right fixed term. So, for example, if you're looking to... Uh, so if you're looking to, let's say, review your repayments on a more regular basis, maybe shorter terms might be appropriate because it's actually less about the fact that it's a cheaper rate, but it's also about the fact that it gives another opportunity to review the repayments, increase or decrease them. So, for example, clients who really want uh, a lot more support around and guidance around trying to repay those mortgages faster, well, we, we oftentimes try to have relatively short, rep- uh, short fixed rates, mainly for the basis that we can talk to them once or twice a year and see, well, can we increase or decrease those payments? That's the more valuable part than just the interest rate alone. But with respect to the interest rates too, I mean, if we can also compare, let's say, a three-year rate with a one-year rate and we can see, well, which one actually offers us best value? And there are a few techniques on how we can compare that. And just to talk about the difference between uh, fixed rates there, uh, the, the reason you might review more more frequently is that during your fixed period, you're going to make the same repayment each week, fortnight or, or month. And so there's not it's, you're going to be charged extra fees if you're going to try and repay more of your principal above and beyond those payments, which is why you might look to, to be on that shorter loan term. Have I understood that correctly? Correct. So some banks do allow you to pay uh, a, a certain amount of uh, lump sum without penalty, might, might be 5% of that loan amount. Other banks allow you to, let's say, increase your repayments by about 20-odd percent. But uh, there's nothing quite like having full flexibility as to what you want to do, whether you want to pay off 10% or 20% or increase your payments by double, for example. Um, So having those regular reviews becomes more valuable in that instance. And similarly, people often will stagger their interest rates uh, where, or structure their loans such they have staggered interest rates. And what we mean by that is a portion of the loan might be on three years or five years, a portion might be on two years, a portion on one year, and a portion revolving credit. And and why are people doing that, Eugene? Well, because, again, you don't know what's going to happen. So, for example, if you feel that the interest rates are likely to rise, it probably makes relatively good sense to fix for some of your loan for, let's say, three years. But the thing is, when you're fixing for three years, you're paying a premium. The three-year rate's more expensive than the one-year rate or two-year rate. So what we sometimes like to do is fix some for one year and three years, or one year and two year and three year, for example. That way we still get to have some savings, and at the same time we have some stability, and only a portion of the loan is up for renewal at any given point in time. So if for a, a particular season, let's say the banks aren't very competitive, well at least your whole loan's not up, not up for review at that point in time. Because if one bank's not very competitive, there's a very good chance that most banks aren't very competitive. And then the last thing we're looking at as well is the sort of the bank that you're with and the products that you have. Now we've already talked about products in terms of, of flexibility and, and payments increasing, but talk to us a little bit uh, about changing banks or the different products that people uh, that the banks will offer. Yeah, correct. So um, some distinct differences. So some banks um, do not offer offset accounts compared to revolving credits. Uh, and I believe you have talked about that in the past. Uh, but then there's also some banks don't offer, re- don't offer redraw facilities. So 
oftentimes in those cases, that can allow us uh, a way that we can help manage a client's cash flow risk. So for example, with a redraw facility, if you're paying above a minimum, that surplus that you've repaid becomes available when you fix rates up for review. Same thing with an offset, for example. If it, it does the same job as a revolving credit, you're, you're basically offsetting your savings, but it feels much more like your own savings more so than uh, dipping into a, a line of credit. So there is there is an immense psychological benefit towards uh, you know towards certain products. Now we don't always recommend those products. If, let's say someone's an investor, um, it makes oftentimes very little difference. But especially when managing your own family home mortgage, it makes an immense difference. And guys, one thing that's really important, and we often see at Opus as well, is that we when we're setting up for perhaps the first investment property, is having some sort of lending facility, whether it be a revolving credit or, or whatever the product happens to be, it's not really, that part's not as important, but having the ability to take out an extra 100, 120k, 200k, if you're, if you're planning to purchase another investment property in the future. So the way that would work is you'd set up the facility now, you're not paying interest on it because you haven't taken any of it out and uh, if you ha- if you have taken some out then shame on you that's the wrong that's not what it was for but what you do is you then um, when you're ready to purchase your second investment property or your third investment property then you're able to take that money out without going to the same bank and use that as your deposit for the next investment property so these things are, are really important to, to consider and think about when you are, when you are a choosing not to spend that money but also when you're setting up your uh, investment and taking your first mortgages on because it allows you to grow your portfolio even further. And that's really the whole reason why we're talking about structuring things so that we can set up a financial plan for you and then go ahead and implement it with, without uh, having additional hurdles that we've got to go over in terms of applying for more lending. Now let's wrap it up there. But of course, if you want to talk about, uh, if you want to learn more about mortgages, how to get one and then pay it off, check out our Epic Guide to Mortgages. We're going to link that in the show notes, but it's a nine and a half thousand word guide about how to get a mortgage and then pay it off more quickly and hey please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to this podcast it really does help us get the message out to more and more kiwi investors Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Eugene Bartzaken from Twine Financial Advisors. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.